nonprofit founders and leaders, change makers and dreamers? Are you searching for new ways to be heard amidst the overwhelming noise and confusion of these uncertain times? Giving Heartbeat is the place to make connections and ignite sparks of compassion into forces for good and together turn unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. Conversations with dynamic nonprofit champions from across the planet reveal how they turned passion into action and obstacles into achievements. I'm your host, Donna Valente. Welcome. Over the past three decades, I've met hundreds of incredible nonprofit changemakers from around the world. It's my passion and mission to promote them. This is Giving Heartbeat. Welcome. I'd like to welcome to the Giving Heartbeat studio this morning, Nicole Reed, who is the event coordinator for Family Promise of Sussex County. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. We're very excited. That's terrific. I, I'm so happy to have you here because Sussex County is where I live, and um, I just know that there are a lot of needs in the community, and uh, Family Promise has a unique way of of helping people and families experiencing homelessness. Would you like to tell our audience about that? Sure. So we started in 1997, and um, we started strictly as an emergency shelter program. Um, so anyone who was street homeless or had didn't have a place to go could come to us, and we would assist them uh, with our housing specialists who would help them find jobs and sources of income, apply for any benefits that they may qualify for. Really, our, our main goal is to provide stability and sustainability to make sure that our clients are self-sufficient and to give them the tools that they need to really um, be successful moving forward. Um, so we had that emergency shelter program and it was very successful. And so we kind of started expanding, applying for different grants to fund different programs. Um, and right now we have a number of different programs to help people who are at all different stages of homelessness. And we've actually kind of uh, moved to saying that we assist people who are experiencing a housing crisis as opposed to people who are homeless because we do have some programs that can help prevent people becoming homeless, um, which is a huge step because then we can get them into housing before they do end up on the streets. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, we've expanded. We have a homeless prevention program, a rapid rehousing program, a men's day program. Um, our emergency shelter program is currently closed because of COVID-19 and the pandemic and the restrictions um, that have been put in place. But we have still been working with our clients via Zoom and phone calls and meeting outside. Um, making sure that our clients are getting what they need and helping them transition into housing. Okay. And is it still, so the emergency shelter is closed now? Is that where families would stay at the churches? Yes. So um, we had a unique model. We didn't have a building or an apartment um, where our clients could stay that we were, you know, running. But what how it would work was we would work with all of the local congregations and our families would spend the day with us at, at our 
agency building that we refer to as the day center. Um, and that's where they would work with our housing specialists to find jobs and any sort of education that they might need, budgeting, that kind of thing to get them back on their feet. And then at the nights, they would travel to the local churches who would have volunteers uh, stay with them in the church and cook them a nice dinner. And really just the, the community part of that was so nice because it really helped our families who were, I mean, this is the scariest time of their life. We had, we had full families with multiple children who just had nowhere to go. So our volunteers are incredible because they would give them that sense of norm, like normality. Mm-hmm. Is that <laughs> Normalcy. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Maybe you can cut that word. <laughs> They were looking for a sense of normalcy Mm -hmm. Um, and a nice home-cooked meal. They get to do activities and just talk and get to know them and, and really just humanize the whole process because something that we've found is saying that someone is homeless is really, people interpret that as a very negative connotation. Um, And I know that before I started working here, I was actually a teacher in Sussex County for five years before I started working at Family Promise. And I had no idea that homelessness was an issue, none at all. Because in my mind, when I think of homelessness, I think of the big cities and people literally laying on the street asking for money and food with their cardboard signs and begging as people walk by. That's all I've ever known. So that's all I've ever thought of. Mm -hmm. Um, And coming here has really been eye-opening because homelessness is a huge problem in Sussex County. But because of our rural area Mm -hmm. and the environment that we live in, very sneaky and it's very subtle and you don't see it so a lot of times when people can't see it they don't know that it exists or they don't believe that it's a problem um but we've helped so many families that have i mean people who've been living in their car or people who've been couch surfing for years from friend to friend to family member because they have nowhere to go. Um, We've helped people who were squatting for years in in an abandoned motel. They were just living there because that was the only place that they could go. Um, We had a woman who was living in a swamp for a long time. And when I say in the swamp, she was literally had a tent in the swampy part of the swamp. And our housing specialists would go there and, I mean, in the the middle of the winter, her tent, everything would be soaking wet and frozen solid and they would have to pull her and her belongings out of the swamp. And they asked, "Why, why here? Why did you pick here? And she was just so scared of her surroundings. She said, this is the only place that I feel safe. I can see everything. I know people aren't going to wander in here and bother me or hurt me. Animals don't want to walk in here because of the swamp. It was the only place that felt safe to her. Um, So we have that side of it where it's very severe and hidden. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have the other side of it Just last year, we had a grandmother who came to us. She had just gotten custody of her four grandchildren, and she lived in an apartment, and having those four children come into her apartment violated her lease, so she was asked to leave. So she's doing the right thing 
taking in her grandchildren, caring for them, and now she finds herself homeless because she can't stay in her apartment any longer. And she didn't have enough money to put down a security deposit someplace new. So then she came to us and we were able to help her. Um, you know, she entered one of our programs and we were able to provide her with a security deposit and first month's rent. So now she and her four grandchildren are in a nice apartment and very happy, doing very well. That's fantastic. So how I can imagine that COVID must have just squashed so much of of how you do things so how did you cope and how did you pivot to to still help families yeah it was very scary at first um what we do is very much based on interactions with people and seeing people in person working with them so it was very scary at first, but we were forced to adapt like many other places. And um, we've actually been very successful throughout COVID. Um, we obviously had to close down our emergency shelter program, but we did use some of our emergency funds. Anyone who was street homeless at the time, we were able to get them a motel until we could find them um, an apartment so that they weren't out on the streets. Um, we also, our turnaround time has gotten very, very fast. Uh, so our housing specialists have done an amazing job of anyone who has entered our program. They've made relationships with local realtors, with local landlords, um, many people who have just been very willing to help us out. And um, so they've been able to get people into apartments very quickly. Now, at this point, um, landlords are not allowed to evict anyone because of COVID. And um, that's good. But at the same time, we have very strict guidelines that we have to follow um, in order to receive the funds from the grants. All of our programs are funded through grants, but we have very strict guidelines and ways that we have to use that funding. So for one of our programs, um, if someone has been evicted, this is our rapid rehousing program. If somebody's been evicted, we can quickly move them into a new, more affordable apartment, give them security deposit and first month's rent, um, and work with them to make sure that they're budgeting and that they can sustain that new apartment. However, one of the requirements is they have to have an eviction notice. So we have people who are not allowed to be evicted gotcha. because of COVID and we can't get them into this program to help them out because they're not allowed to be, um, to be evicted at this time. Wow, that's a real catch-22. Yes, and we also have um, our homeless prevention program, which allows us to pay some back rent for people who have fallen behind, but it can't be more than three months. Mm -hmm. So we also have the problem where people are feeling secure because, you know, they're behind in their rent, but they know they can't be evicted. So once this, they are allowed to be evicted, they're going to have months and months and months and months of back rent that we cannot help them with because we can only help with three months. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we have 
the landlords have been wonderful um, and many have worked with us to, you know, kind of figure out what we can and, and cannot do to help these families out. But it's been very creative and it's been very different. So um, it's been a lot of creative planning on the part of our housing specialists trying to figure out how to help these families. And and for the um for the ch- children, I know there's a lot of kids. Um, actually, mostly families, right? That you help. So yeah. how does how, I would imagine it's very difficult to arrange for schools um, and and attendances. Well, actually, now since some schools are closed, that might not be such a. Uh, I'm just thinking logistically, it must be very hard, even when the. Emergency shelter was operating. I volunteered um, a, a couple of times to provide meals, and there were several families, and I would imagine, and lots of kids. So that that seems like a, a real challenge. But I know that um, that you've helped so many families, uh, and it, it's just fascinating to me the the whole model and that and how you're pivoting to to now work in. Uh, holistically and in the, to help in the future and as as well as what families are going through to prevent homelessness it's uh yeah absolutely and and a lot of times we do work closely with the school so all schools have um a homeless liaison um so we will work with them there are laws in place uh mckinney bento laws that allow if somebody is in our program they have to be provided transportation um, by the school so if they are in our emergency shelter we work with the schools and arrange for them to be picked up either they come back to the day center in the morning and their transportation picks them up at our day center or um, if they have like an earlier pickup time then we arrange for them to be picked up where they were staying that night at the church Um, so there are a lot of different things in place to help with that and um, you know we do encourage and make sure that the children are going to school every day and and getting that education that's so essential Um, in the past few years, we were actually working through a McKinney-Bento grant. We were going into the, the schools and doing activities once a week with all of the children. Um, Newton is a very high-risk school district, so we do have um, a lot of students who are homeless or at risk of homelessness in the Newton school districts, so we do go in and work with all of the children, um, just a free fun activity, something educational, something to that they can get involved with and, and keep them learning and having fun and, and educated and things like that. So we were doing that. Obviously, this year we could not do that with COVID, um, but that's something that we're excited to get back into once things kind of calm down again. Mm-hmm. So what kind of uh, skills are taught in the, in the Men's Day program? And I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So our Men's Day program is very unique because there is actually not a single shelter in Sussex County that accepts single men. Um, So if you are a single male and you have nowhere to go, there is not a shelter. There is one in Morristown, but it's very hard to get into. Um, So there are not many options for men in Sussex County. Uh, So we do have our Men's Day program. 
And this allows them to come in and take a shower. Um, they can do the, their laundry and they work very closely with our housing specialists to get them on track to where they can enter one of our programs and we can get them into an apartment. Um, so we make sure they have needs, especially around this time of year, we are always asking for blanket donations, men's jackets and gloves and mittens and things like that, just making sure that they can stay warm and providing them with um, all the necessary resources that they could possibly need. 211 is a huge resource if anybody is um, without a place to go one night and it's, you know, they call 211 and depending on their circumstances, they can help get them immediate shelter um, for one night. And then they work with social services as well. Um, so, you know, we make sure they know all of those, the emergency, the homeless hotline number, um, all of those things, so that they have any tools and resources that they could possibly need. And then we work with them on same things as our other clients, budgeting, job skills, resume writing, applying for jobs, finding jobs, finding housing, all of that. So, you know, we support them through that whole process and just to make sure that they have the tools that they need in order to find housing and be successful. Gotcha. And are you also working with other organizations in the county um, on some of the pro programs? Um, Yes, absolutely. So we often make uh, referrals to other agencies in the community, especially if it's something that we personally can't provide. Um, you know, when I was talking before about the restrictions that some of our grants have, there's other things that come up with our families that we may not financially be able to assist with. If somebody's car breaks down and they can't get to work because they don't have a functioning car, um, our grants don't allow us to help with that. Um, direct donations from the public, we can use those funds, but the majority of our funding does come from the grants. Gotcha. So if we have things like that, um, where we can't assist them in that case, there are other organizations in the area that may be able to help them. Um, Benny's Bodega is a relatively new organization um, that has funding for things like that, you know, one-time medical expenses or utilities or oil, you know, things like that that we can't pay for through our grants, but they have limited funds that may be able to help out, you know, in a one-time situation like that. Um, we've also been working with Nick's Hope. We are unable to accept any used clothing. Um, there's very strict rules about how you have to clean them and you have to, it's, it's crazy. So we don't have the capacity to take used clothing. Um, but Nick's Hope is an incredible new organization and they work as a traveling, like a traveling thrift store. And what they do is they collect all this clothing and they've come to our organization um, a number of times and they set up a whole outdoor shop that anyone in need can come and it's totally free to them. They don't have to pay anything. They come, they look at the clothing, the coats, the shoes, whatever they have, and they take what they need. And at the end of the day, they close it back up and then they go to another area in need. Um, 
So those are some great resources. We also refer people to Project Mm -hmm. Self-Sufficiency, Pathways to Prosperity. These are all different organizations in the area that we work closely with and, and often refer to each other. That's terrific. That's really wonderful to hear. I had never heard, I've heard of Project Self-Sufficiency, but I've not heard of Benny's Bodega or Nick's Closet. Nick's Hope. Nick's Hope. Yeah. That's terrific. So what are the kinds of things that that Family Promise of Sussex County needs um, from from people that want to help? How can they help? So our biggest need especially right now, would be direct monetary donations so that we can help people out with um, those car payments or a late electric bill or something along those lines, which we can't pay for with our grant money. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're also always looking for people to conduct drives for us. So we're always in need of toiletries. Anytime that a client comes to the agency for case management with our housing specialists, we like to send them off with some food, some toiletries, just make sure they have what they need to get them through the month and um, not have to worry about spending their food money on shampoo or if they're going to be able to wash themselves that week. Um, So we are always in need of toiletries and personal hygiene products, cleaning supplies, that kind of thing. Um, This time of year specifically, we're in need of blankets. A lot of our clients, in order to save money, turn their heat down really low so that they're not spending excess gas or electric bills on their heating. Um, So we like to try to make sure that they can bundle up and stay warm in their apartments. Um, Also, for the males who are street homeless, we love to give heavy-duty waterproof gloves, hats, scarves, anything that's really going to keep them warm out there. Also, winter jackets. We are doing a a coat drive right now. Um, We are desperately in need of larger sizes for women and men. We have a ton of children's coats because people are just so generous. And of course, when you see a coat drive and you think of those little kids (laughs) who don't have coats in the winter, you know, your heart just goes out to them. So we had an, an outpouring of donations for children's coats so we've been able to give coats to all of our children but we definitely need larger sizes for adult men and women at this time what about socks yes socks are very important too so there is a company called bombus I think I'm saying that correctly. They're a sock company, and what they do is for every pair of socks that's purchased from their website, they donate a pair of socks. Um, So for the past two years, we have received boxes of a 1,000 pairs of socks from this company. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, This year, the first year, they sent us um, an assortment of sizes. Uh, This past year, they were limited in what they were able to provide, so it was all one size. So we were able to give out a lot of socks, but they were like um, either like teenage size or women with small feet Mm. so um we definitely need men's and children's socks and then especially at this time of year those nice like slipper socks are are always great too what about flip-flops 
like showers. Actually, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because that's never been something that's been on our radar. But this past year, that was something that came up. Um, the hardest thing with any sort of shoes or flip-flops is there's such a variety in sizes when it, it comes to, you know, there's so many different shoe sizes. Um, but yeah, that is something that did come up. A lot of times our donors will give us gift cards to Walmart or Kohl's or local areas. And that will allow us to go out and buy specific sizes and needs. Um, we did have a family this year who couldn't afford to buy any clothes for their children for, to go back to school with. And, you know, when you have growing kids, they grow out of things so fast. Um, so we did receive a lot of donations that, of gift cards. So we were able to go out and purchase clothing for them in the specific size that they needed. Oh, that's nice. So can you tell our audience a little bit about um, like the geography of Sussex County? And um, cause I'm just, you don't think of rural New Jersey, right? Um, yeah. So, because uh, it, it's just remarkable that um, this is happening in New Jersey and you know you're right it is it's not seen you see farms you see horses and cows and pretty fields um, and you don't think that there's homeless families so can you give us a sense of like the numbers that that we're talking about I know they're pretty staggering yeah absolutely I actually have um so I can tell you a few different things so we do something called the point in time count um, and that's done throughout all of New Jersey. Um, on one night in January every year, we go out, all of the agencies in Sussex County go out and count how many homeless people there are in Sussex County. Now, it's just a, a one-day snapshot, so a lot you know, can affect the, the numbers because if it's very cold and a lot of people are calling 211, they might be put in a, a motel room for the night. So we're not going to see them out and about. Um, so there, th there are different factors, but I have some numbers for you. Um, between 2015 and 2018, there was a 98% increase during the point in time count. Um, it peaked in 2018. And we found a need that the chronically homeless, that that was our biggest issue. We had people who were chronically homeless, like the woman who was living in the swamp. Um, and there really were no programs that were available to help them because when they were provided with temporary assistance, after that assistance ran out, they had trouble sustaining what they had. Um, so in 2018, we started the Permanent Supportive Housing Program. Uh, we received a grant from it. And after that went into effect, that's for uh, clients who are chronically homeless and uh, who have a disability, whether it's medical, whether it's a mental disability, um, substance abuse, um, some anything like that where they are not self-sufficient um, and need ongoing assistance, they could qualify for this program. Um, right after we started that program, there was an immediate 23% decrease 
between 2018 and 2019 in chronically homeless individuals. So, I mean, that just shows that what we're doing is helping, helping to get these people off of the streets. Um, that year, we were able to house 15 households um, through that funding. So we had 15 different families and individuals who qualified for that program. Um, and we were able to help get them into housing. Wow. I have a question. Oh, oh sure. Go ahead. So when you have that point, point day? Point in time count. Yeah. We call it the pit count for short. Okay. So where do you see people? Like, how, I, I would think it's hard. I mean, you can't really like knock on doors or is that what you have to do? So it is very hard. Um, luckily, we have a, a system like a database that we input all of the information about our clients into. So anyone who qualifies for specific programs, they're automatically counted in the count. Um, but for the street homeless individuals who are not helping, there are, you know, different places that we know of because of clients who have come to us and we said, okay, where have you been staying? So there are places that we know to look. Um, so a lot of agencies can go out to those specific places and talk to the people who are staying there. Um, and then we call, we also make phone calls. So anyone who called us and asked for help, whether we were able to help them or not, we have the intake form and we're able to call them up and say, listen, we're doing this count and it can help us, you know, get more funding to help more people. Um, and we just ask them a series of questions to see if they are still homeless, if they're housed now, and, and gather that information from them. Um, so that's how we do that. But I mean, as you said, a lot of people can slip through the cracks. Mm -hmm. Difficult. It's such a um, heart-wrenching situation to be in. And, and I really admire the work that you're doing and Family Promise does and, uh, you know, for as hard as people have it for like for myself I still have a house I still can take a shower I can make a meal you know and I just um it's it's heartbreaking and it you know for the grace of God it can be any of us absolutely especially uh this time we actually I found an article that was talking about how you know, it doesn't seem like there's that many people who are in need of help right now. But once the evictions are allowed to come through, it's just going to be a flood. And yes, there's a lot of funding that's going towards that, but it's not nearly enough. I think uh, at the time that this article was written, I think I think something like a million dollars had been allocated to help with that situation. And it was estimated that $3 million are needed in order to really make a difference. Um, so it's just, it, it's going to be a mess is what it's going to be. But we have adjusted and we are working really hard to help as many people as we can before that help it, before that happens. Um, and we know to expect it too. So we're trying to prepare and plan ahead and make sure that we have programs in place to assist those people when the time comes. Wow. Is there, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm literally choked up. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners um, that maybe they could do that could help that doesn't necessarily, 
involve writing a check? I know I saw some post on your website I thought was great, and I might, I might actually borrow some of that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So our biggest thing is, you know, we're a relatively small organization. We have about 10 employees, um, and it's hard for us to get our name out there. And we join a lot. We're part of the Chamber of Commerce and we go to a lot of different meetings and, and we're part of a lot of different organizations to help just share what we do and who we are and really get our name out there. Um, we do have social media sites. So we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram and Twitter. And we post a lot, but as we all know, those algorithms that social media platforms like to use, it, it's a toss-up whether people are seeing your posts or not. Mm -hmm. So a totally free way to help us out and get our name out there is to share our posts, to share our page, like them, comment them. I mean, even if you're not in a place where you can give, maybe you know someone who is and is looking to give back and just sharing our emails or anything like that, that's so helpful because it's just spreading our message. And I can tell you when I post something, because I'm in charge of all of our social media sites. So when I do just a regular post on our Facebook and um, I don't share it to a bunch of groups or anything like that, we're lucky if we reach like 60 people. Um, but whenever we have an event, I like to share those posts to all local groups and I share it to my personal page and um, all of our staff members do the same. And when it's shared repeatedly, we can reach up to 6,000 people. Wow. That takes two seconds just to click share, mm -hmm. you know, and it's totally free. And that's so helpful for us because that's 6,000 people who have seen what we're trying to do. And that can be incredibly impactful. That's great. I love that. And that's a, a way that you can help by just moving your finger. Exactly. It doesn't even take a second. One click. Wow, that's fantastic. So uh, what do you see for Family Promise coming down the pike? I, well, I know the you answered that, I guess, before with once those restrictions get lifted, it's going to be, it's going to be a nightmare trying to work through all those, uh, all those problems. I wish uh -oh. you can you hear me? I think you froze. I froze. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there you are. I think you're back. Okay. Oh, Sorry. Well, so you were saying what, what is in our future? Is yeah. And then I realized that you had answered that when you, <laughs> with the, when the eviction um, stall or, or yeah, mm -hmm. I, I forget what the term. Um, when that gets lifted, then it's going to be really, really chaotic and difficult. And so hopefully, we'll hopefully people listening will will reach out and support, and um, you can be. A little braced for what's coming. Yeah, and I do have um, a few numbers. This went out with our annual appeal this year. Um, since the start of COVID, these are just, and this is actually um, a really good way for people to understand just how many people there are in Sussex County who need help through these numbers. Um, so since the start of 2020, 
Um, and I pulled these numbers in October when we sent out the annual appeal. So these are lower than where we are currently right now. Um, but since the beginning of 2020, we were able to serve and stabilize 389 individuals in Sussex County. Um, that's 169 households. And approximately 100, and we've served 150 children through our programs by providing them with clothing, food, toiletries, school supplies, things like that. Um, we've also, our volunteers who were helping us out in the churches, um, obviously weren't able to do that anymore when we shut down our emergency shelter program. So they've become our food fairies is what we like to refer to them as. And, um, you know, a lot of our clients are elderly or they're single parents who can't leave their children at home to go to food shopping um, and don't want to bring their children out there with everything that's going on. So we had people who were just stuck in the house and no way to ha get any sort of groceries. Um, so our volunteers really stepped up and have been donating food um, for us to deliver to our clients throughout the pandemic. Uh, so we were able to provide 188 deliveries of food to insecure households, um, and that was valued at over $22,000 in groceries that we were able to distribute throughout the entire pandemic, wow. which is just incredible. That's wonderful. What an impact. Yeah. Our volunteers, we couldn't do this without them. They are absolutely incredible. And they just do it out of the goodness of their hearts because they're passionate about what we do and helping these families. It's, it's truly remarkable. So going forward, as far as um, just the food fairies, what do, what do you need? Like before, I, I, I knew that there would be families at a specific church during a specific week. Um, so how, how would somebody help if they wanted to be a food fairy? Um, so there's a couple different ways. A lot of, a lot of times when we receive food donations, it's those non-perishable foods that last a really long time, which is wonderful. Um, but our clients are really in need of like meats and fresh foods. And I know that that's a quick turnaround. I know if I go shopping on Monday for fruits and vegetables, I'm back at the store on Thursday getting more. I understand that those don't last long and that's difficult. Um, we do have some storage at the agency. We have a couple large freezers um, that we do keep meat and donations of meat. Um, so things like that, fresh fruit foods, that's always huge. Bread um, is a big one, lunch meats, things like that. And, and, you know, we have a pretty good system going on right now where when those kinds of donations go in, we package them up, we assign a family to them, and we get them out very quickly so that those families can utilize them. Mm -hmm. um, but we are always in need of the pastas and the mac and cheese and the healthy snacks. Um, for the kids, things like that. So I think we have um, enough beans to last us a lifetime. <laughs> but those other things, yeah, we, we are always in need of those kinds of things. So do you have- Soups is a big one, cereal. Do you have strict guidelines on, on stuff, um, 
that people make. Like I know New Jersey is the one state where you cannot cook and sell things that you make in your own kitchen, like a cottage industry. Um, I know. And you know what? We we have an event coming up on uh, December 5th and we're selling baked goods and we had to jump through so many hoops mm-hmm. in order to sell any kind of food there. And we, we were go- We just wanted to, you know, make some hot dogs in a crock pot and sell hot dogs at the event. And I mean, we just totally gave up on that idea because it was so much red tape to do those kinds of things. So yeah. Um, there are a lot of restrictions and regulations on home cooked meals and, and things like that just because I guess they don't technically know where it's coming from and if sanitary guidelines are being followed and things like that. Yeah. So only things that are prepared in an industrial kitchen, I believe is the phrase um, we're able to give out. And that's what you can sell. Yeah. Or give out to the clients. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cause like I, I'm, my father-in-law is a hunter and he has venison. So, and they, it gets specially packaged by a butcher and, and it's all safe, but I, I would think, I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I feel like if it's packaged by a butcher, then that should be, that would be totally fine. I think it's just more along the lines of um, they, I think they put the restrictions in place because they didn't want people who like made a meal and had a bunch left over, like, Hey, I'm going to donate my leftovers. And then you don't really know who touched it or things like that. But it's like very intense the way that they did the guidelines. So I think anything that's, that's packaged um, in that way is, is fine. Okay. So I could make a lasagna perhaps and, if it's a whole one and covered with yeah, like a whole tray and then we could freeze it. I think that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that I think I might do that. And, and so if somebody had something, would they know, would they call you and say, I have something, can I bring it down? And yeah, it's always best to call us first because sometimes if we get a huge donation of something, then maybe our freezers are full and we wouldn't want anything to go to waste. So it's always best if they call ahead just so that we can prepare and make room. Okay, wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about Family Promise or or uh, anything else? Or maybe dealing with people that are in a um, homeless at risk or or experiencing homelessness? Yeah, my biggest advice would be it it doesn't hurt to call. And um, that w- that's the best way to get in touch with us too. If you just call our agency, which our phone number is 973-579-1180. If you just give us a call, we can do an intake form with you. And one of our very skilled, highly qualified housing specialists can um, review your intake and see what we can help you with. Um, and even if we can't help you, a lot of times we're able to point you in the right direction of where you can get help. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. We get that a lot. We have people who call and they waited until the last minute um, because they were afraid or embarrassed to have to ask for help. Um, but it's best to call early, to call as soon as you know that there's a problem. And that's why we're here. We're here to help people. And that's what we do. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And, you know, that's, we got into this line of work for that reason. And, um, 
I know it's hard. It's hard for anybody to reach out and ask for assistance, especially if you've been self-sufficient your whole life and, and you've never had to do that before. But everything's confidential. We don't give out any sort of information. You can be working with us and your neighbor could be working with us and neither of you will ever know unless you tell each other. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of and that's that's why we're here and we want to help. So call as soon as you know that there's a problem and uh, we'll do everything we can. Awesome. Is, is Family Promise a national organization? I mean, I know you're yes. in Jersey, but um, I, it's all over the country. Yeah. So all over the country, there's different affiliate uh, affiliates. Um, we actually have the most affiliates in New Jersey, I believe. We're one of the top states that has the most affiliates. Um, but yeah, we, there is a Family Promise National, and um, they kind of oversee all of the, the different affiliates. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we do work with some of the other ones in the, in the area, and if somebody calls, so one of the, the requirements is in order for us to be able to assist you, you have to be a Sussex County resident. So sometimes we'll get people who call from Morris County or Warren County, and we're able to refer them to their family promise who will be able to assist. Gotcha. And from my research, um, I found that family promise was actually started in New Jersey, right? And was it? Bernardsville, I think. Um, you know what? I'm not going to, I don't need to put you on. I'm not, no, that's okay. I'm not sure which which town that was. <laughs> and I don't remember her name either, but I read the story and, um, and I actually I had heard about it for a while because it was Interfaith Coalition for the Homeless, I think, at one point. Oh, the Interfaith Hospitality yeah, Network, I think. That was before it was called Family Promise. Yes, yes. It's a wonderful organization, and um, I applaud your work, and I'm happy to speak with you and, and get the word out. Um, this is a global podcast, so. so uh, Incredible. We appreciate it so much. You have no idea. It's really, you know, it's, it can be difficult to get our name out there, and uh, this is incredibly helpful, and, you know, we just want to spread our message and really just let people know what we do and how we can help, and we want to reach as many people as we can. You know, we have a lot of clients who call, and they say, you know, I've been struggling for years. I didn't even know that you existed, you know? So just of all the people that we can reach, maybe we can help people before they get into that situation. That's well, our goal. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole, so much for your time. And um, I'm working on getting my own drive for you guys together of, of uh, self-care items. Um, oh, that's incredible. I'm hoping to make that happen. So that's I'm going to start that after I say goodbye to you today. But <laughs> thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you and get some more uh, background on Family Promise. And it's actually you guys are doing so much more than I had thought or, or known about. So I, I applaud you for the work. And I know it's going to continue. You've got a hard road ahead as things start opening up. But um, I, hopefully you'll get a lot of support and um, we'll make it happen. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you giving us this opportunity. And it was so nice to talk to you today and, you too. and share a message. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nicole. I am humbled by the work of Family Promise 
and by the struggles and perseverance of families and individuals of all ages experiencing homelessness or who are at risk for becoming homeless, my heart and prayers are with you. This has never hit so close to home for me as I strategize how to make my next mortgage payment. While I will do what I can, I certainly give what I can, including creating a local drive for Family Promise of Sussex County for self-care products like shower gel and toothpaste and deodorant. I must generate an income in order to support my family and the nonprofits I love and keep giving heartbeat going and growing. I really need your help. Please check out my Cosmic Daydreams design brand on Amazon.com. You'll find Giving Heartbeat podcast merch and a bunch of cool, positive, and funny messages like Attitude Gratitude and Peacemaker and my Corgi Moshi and a Chicken Joke is my last design, which I really love. <laughs> Amazon allows creators like myself to slowly, gradually add more products in more markets. Each, each county is a separate product market, and many countries are currently temporarily not served, including Canada and Australia. I have been told by Amazon that they are working out shipping logistics to be able to include shipping to Canada and Australia soon, which is great news. All Cosmic Daydream products are currently avail available in the USA, and some are available in the United Kingdom. That's Cosmic Daydreams, all one word, no spaces between the words, an S at the end, brand on Amazon. I hope you check it out. I hope you buy something. I really do. It, it, the products are fun. They're not expensive. Uh, they're well-made. And um, the, you'll help support this podcast and this uh, small business, this local home-based small business. And at long last and just in time for giving Tuesday and holiday gift giving, I created a Sam Cart sales page for my book of poetry, Bits of Me. It's available in hardcover, softcover, and an ebook. And I also created a digital 8 inch by 10 inch mini poster of the poem Bits of Me in white text over a stunning image of a cosmic supernova. It's really cool. It's beautiful. The poem is a plea for grace and strength in a very uncertain world, something we can certainly all relate to these days. You can buy the digital download of the poster for less than five bucks, or you can get it free when you buy any version of my book. It looks gorgeous, printed out on photo paper, and the 8 by 10 inch frame size um, that it is, uh, their frames are widely available. So you can get a, a very inexpensive frame. You can print it out. I took mine to a print shop uh, at my local CVS or Walgreens. I forget which, but uh, uh, 
CVS, I think it was, um, printed it out on photo paper and it, it came out so beautiful. I was really happy with it. So you can get a really nice, unique gift um, by a local small business person, female caregiver owned small business. Can't get more local than your, your house um, currently back to recording in my closet as we as we speak and as I stand here. Uh, right now, I'm only set up to ship in the USA because shipping outside of the USA is complicated and expensive just to, to figure out what it would cost in different countries. It ended up to be a really a big thing. So if you are outside of the USA and you want to buy my physical book, please contact me and I will work with you to get it to you. And um, hopefully you can still get the digital book and the poster, even if you're outside of the USA, because those are our digital products. And one more thing, I bake into everything that I do. I bake giving into every, it's just part of who I am and what I'm all about. It's part of my heart. Uh, when I published Bits of Me in 2015, I pledged to donate a percentage of the proceeds to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I don't work there anymore, but their legacy shines like a burning torch on everything I do. Everything. And I will continue to donate a percentage of the proceeds of Bits of Me to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Oh, to, so, oh gosh, I wasn't expecting this to support spinal cord injury research and quality of life grants for people with disabilities. And I also do this to honor my friend Carrie. And uh, cheers. Um, the link, I'm going to spell it out. It's https colon forward slash forward slash giving heartbeat, all one word, no spaces, dot samcart no spaces.com forward slash products forward slash bits b-i-t-s hyphen of hyphen me hyphen soft hyphen cover that's it um, i'm gonna put that long link in the episode notes and you'll also find it on my Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn bio accounts at Donna Lee Valente, D-O-N-N-A-L-E-E-V-A-L-E-N-T-E. -E -E. Thanks for listening and for your support. I am actively seeking sponsorship and would appreciate your help spreading the word about Giving Heartbeat Podcast. I would love to hear from you wherever you are, uh, givingheartbeat at gmail.com. Thanks from the bottom of my giving heart. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Giving Heart Beat, where we make unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. Please be my hero and subscribe, download, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Naomi Charney for my beautiful cover art. Thanks to Chris Hogan for his theme music, Pure Magic, and to audio engineer extraordinaire, Don Sternacker at Mixolydian Studios. Please take action today to support nonprofits that connect with your passion. 
be the change you want to see in the world. Until next time, the beat goes on. This is Donna Valente. Peace out.